You're listening to Black Sheep from Wired Differently. Good morning. It's John from Wired Differently Canada. Now, this is my first episode, so bear with me. I'm learning about how that whole thing works. And uh, although I did few podcast interviews before, it remains that it's my first time recording myself. And this morning, um, because it's currently 4.55 on the morning, I just came back from a run, uh, there's, no, and, uh, there's no person I'm going to interview. It's actually just to explain to you, how did I get to do what I'm doing now? Where do I from? Do I eat? <laughs> uh, when do I go to bed? Because clearly I get up too early. Um, and, and I just want to start that way. So, first thing first, I was born in French part of Canada, which is Quebec, Montreal, uh, from uh, two parents who are um, psychologists. I was raised into a frame that was a bit strict. Uh, my parents thought at that time that a man, a young boy, needed to be uh, in a very strict, firm um, frame. All that doing, uh, I've always been very interested into a lot of things and for some reason, they don't necessarily relate to each other. So it could be history, it could be geology, it could be geography, whatever that is, maybe. Um, and then mathematics and, and French and language. Although, gotta say, I failed English a few times. Um, my parents being pro, pro-French, pro let's put it that way, there is no English at home. And as of today, there's still no English. So it makes it very interesting when my family come over because they don't really speak French. So it's a very... Um, interesting process let's put it that way i have to translate for the time being we're working hard on the fact that my son my sons should um actually learn french but for the time being uh we're going with english first and then we can pass on to uh, learning french as well um, they're young enough that anyways they're gonna get there eventually so uh after uh, elementary school and high school um I uh, I ended up doing what they call CEGEP, which is a pre-university. Um, we have to do two years, and then we can go to university. After the year, after that year, my father gave me an ultimatum. I was 17 years old. It was either you get a second job or you get the fuck out. Was uh, that was all it was explained to me at that time, um, which was pretty decent. I mean, it was a shock at that time, but uh, it gave me a good kick in the in the butt to to leave. Um, so I moved roughly three hours away, started to work for uh, Mont-Tremblant Chateau Fermont, um, where I started to learn English. Um, and I worked there for probably six months before moving to Alberta, Canada, uh, to visit the Rockies. Um, I, I, I took a bus from Montreal, and there you go. I had 26 slices of bread, a jar of peanut butter, and two liters of water. Um, $52 in my pockets, and there you go. I was going to survive out east, uh, out west, my bad. Um, at that point over there, uh, I encountered some, I guess, challenges, if you wish. I started by, um, I would say, I, I wouldn't say homeless, but I slept on a bench park for a few nights until I met someone that I knew from back home who offered me to sleep on the floor with his dog, which I think it was a safer point of being. Um, knowing that there's a lot of wildlife animals in the Rockies. So I slept with the dogs and roughly four to six months later came back to uh, home. Um, 
three months later, I was offered to actually go study in Brazil, which I took a flight um, at 18 years old, I believe, uh, roughly, and, and I was leaving for Brazil. Um, I was in Brazil for about six months where we uh, learn uh, learned and studied communication and, and uh, intercultures, right? So the mix of Canadian culture with Brazilian culture, which was very interesting. Um, and the, the fun part is that I'm still in contact with those people. Um, they're still friends. We still send, you know, picture and stuff to each other as of today. Probably not all of them, but a good, good amount of. Um, so that was, um, that was a shock. That was a, the time in my life where I realized that sadly I was alone. There was, um, despite the fact that we always say that we're, we're not alone or we have people around, um, at one point in our life, we need to accept our loneliness, so uh, that was my time uh, when I faced after a few months of being there, nobody was speaking French. Uh, we had to, to learn to speak Portuguese. Um, it, it was a quite lonely time, uh, although I was always surround, surrounded. Um, so, yeah, so faced with this, but it changed my life on a positive as well, because facing that you are alone, but you can deal with it makes it quite wonderful. Um, and quite um, eye-opening. So came back to Canada um, after a bunch of times and uh, being out and then um, met up with my friends and my friends from school and so on were all in university then and in relationship and apartments and so on. And I had been the guy who'd been traveling for probably the last year or so. Uh, I, I, I was told then that... Uh, Whatever I studied in Brazil was not recognized in Quebec. And, and it kind of upset me at first, frustrates me, just not upset me, but frustrate me. And then I carried on and I didn't necessarily want to restart to do the studying. Um, and I was quite, say before my trip to Brazil, I was quite shitty in English. So um, they put me in the basic, basic course, which did not help, obviously. But uh, when I came back, my English, I was not fluent, but I was... It was above, like, you know, the basic. And they didn't want to move me to something more challenging. Now, not being challenged, uh, I was just getting bored. Like everyone, th I think, would. But further down, I will understand why I was bored and not put any um, attention or, or push towards, you know, success. Which we'll talk later. Um, so all of a sudden, one day I actually walked into a recruiting center for the military and I wanted to become an infantry soldier. Uh, after reviewing the language I was speaking, uh, which I had learned French, uh, French, Spanish, Portuguese, and a bit of English, um, the recruiter told me that I should actually go for a common research, communication researcher operator, which was, um, a bit of cybersecurity, if you wish, and translation and so on. Um, I could still remember the recruiter telling me when it was time, because the, the trade that I was in was offered in three limits, right? So Air Force, Army, and, and Navy. And I remember the recruiter telling me, all right, do you want, do you like to be on a cruise? And I'll be honest, I was not a fan of swimming, right? And I didn't believe a cruise would be so fun. So... <laughs> I said, do you have any other option, right? And he looked at me and he's like, well, do you like camping? Uh, and I'd, I love camping. I mean, I've been raised when camping. So yeah, for sure, camping. Now, 
If he had explained to me what camping was in the military, I would probably chose the third choice, which he never mentioned. The third choice was Air Force, which we all know they do five-star hotel. Um, I would have probably picked up that one. Um, uh, anyways, as it goes, I did roughly, I would say, close to, to 12 years of service total uh, within the military. Um, I did not do a come research the entire time because what I was not aware at first uh, in that trade, the course was on, in English only, uh, which my English was not, it was fair game, but yet not at the level that the military wanted. So keep pushing towards, you know, uh, accessing my course. Uh, I did pe like plenty of little jobs side by side here and there. Um, I I, uh, I learned what the military was. I got, you know, attached posted to different bases. Uh, and eventually I got posted to Kingston, which was my, if you want, mother base, right? Where uh, where, where my trade was taught, where signal uh, and electronics were, were, were actually based out. So that was a good step towards the right thing. And, and I, I kept going and doing the same kind of gigs that I was doing. I wanted to do my course. What I learned then uh, after that posting is when I joined the military, the chef started my um, security clearance because the course was offered only if you get top secret special access NATO. Um, and at that time, I did not have that. What I learned as, as well after the fact is those access happened easily if you stayed home all your life. If you travel a little bit, well, it makes the search a bit longer. Um, for the one who don't know what top secret is, it's... Uh, it's um, Security clearance given by the RCMP, so the Royal Canadian Mounties, um, and, uh, uh, and the special access is given by CSIS. So with both of them, you have interviews, and then they obviously go back to 10 years into your past to make sure you're deservant and you're not, you know, um, you're trustworthy. So that took a few, few years. Actually, I never got it in the first four years. Um, so after four years, I got I got to uh, a wall. I was kind of sick of doing those little job. I wanted to work for what I signed up for, and and it came down to it would not happen until I have that security clearance, which I was told that would take probably five more years. Now, waiting for nine years would be just insane without working, without being productive. So I chose to do a remaster. Remaster is when you actually accept that you go to a different trade at that time. So within within probably a couple of months, I put a letter of request, and um, my first choice at that point was ASOP, which is a person who look into the radars in the planes. Um, second choice was intelligence operator, um, which was gathering intel uh, to give to IROPs and so on, which I, I love doing the research. And lastly was um, clerks, uh, so RMS clerks for resource management support. Look, um, with Englobe administration, finance, you know, uh, mostly logistics around it. So um, when I met with the officers, they told me, OK, well, you have no problem. You can you can go either way. Your choice are good. But you need to know that the first choice you had will take probably three years before you get there. Your second one was uh, at least a year of waiting. And she's like, the next the last one, the course start next week. And at that point, I was just fed up. I just wanted to work. My goal was to accomplish something. So I, I said, you know what, send me. Send me there. Uh, so next week, I was moving to a different base where they were teaching that course. 
course lasted three months. It was actually one of the last French courses that I took because I had been so exposed to English that I started to lose my French. So actually the term that the trade would use. So went to a French course. Uh, it was a good party by all means. Three months of waiting, uh, of course. And then um, I was posted to Ottawa, which is capital of Canada, if you're not Canadian. Um, I was not necessarily happy with that move. At that time, I had a girlfriend who lived in Kingston. and uh, But in the same way, it was opportunity, right? So I was leaving what comfortable zone is to uncomfortable. And, and we all know that the uncomfortable comes with growth. So there it is. <clears throat> so that was the start of doing all of this. Uh, got in Ottawa, was posted into the HQ of the Navy. I think I was the only Army guy. Uh, and the youngest person in that that unit. So the first year was not too bad. I mean, I learned my, my trade, what I was supposed to do and so on. Um, the second six month, so the, after a year, uh, I was transferred to a different position where I started to be a bit more shitty. Um, and, and uh, but you know, like you pay your dues. So shut your mouth, carry on, be the gray man. Um, that was the goal. I just wanted to do my job properly. So, as as it goes, I got better at what I was doing, and some people realized that I was kind of working for the first two hours and then doing nothing, unless otherwise. One of the commander, which is equivalent to uh, light colonel, I believe, um, brought me in his office, sat me down, and told me, "Son, do you know what's the plate behind me?" And I remember like it was yesterday, and I had no clue, no clue in hell what it was. So he pointed out a plate with. Um, it looked like a, either a dagger or a sword and, and a partially whatever, maple leaf and, and, you know, the world and whatnot. And then he told me that's that special force. And I'm like, okay, well, good. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, you're, you're wasting your energy here. He's like, if you apply, I will support you fully. Um, I had a lot of respect for the man. Um, and truthfully, I didn't know what to do, what to go, where to do, where to go, whatever. What was coming up? So I needed a challenge. Um, so I applied. I went through... The process of uh, getting into special force. Now, I gotta point out that I was a supporter. I was nowhere close to a specialist or uh, the operator or so on. So I just learned at a very very fast pace how to do my job because I had realized when I got posted there that uh, I did not know what I was doing. Um, so very good experience. I mean, now I'm in a place where I'm learning constantly every day. And I'm exposed to the reality of the world. And what I mean by this is, you know, um, I, I believe that somehow media is covering part of the things. But what we have access as, as a society is not all the truth for many reasons, um, but mostly for security. Um, so after a few few years there, uh, I ended up being deployed. I went to Iraq, which was awesome. Um I mean, war is not awesome, but uh, the, the, I, I love, I love learning. I love seeing something different. The culture was beautiful. Uh, most people were very nice to us. Most, um, so it was exposed to something different, and not doing just my job and so on. So, um, meanwhile, uh, back home, my my wife, my future wife, because we're engaged at that time, is planning our uh, our our wedding. Uh, well, I'm not home, which is kind of funny if you think about it. Um, 
she organized everything. I came back, I think it was uh, mid-July of, uh, or end of July 2015. And at that time, we got married. My brain is going on on circle, and I want to do more for society, right? So the reason why I joined the military, uh, one, of the, one of the reasons was because I, I like to give. I like to help and support, uh, which I think is extremely needed if, if you want to go forward. Um, and, and in that kind of employment, as things kept going and carried on, uh, I also realized that uh, I had um, never been part of a group as a kid, like, a, you know, a group of boys or whatnot. So unconsciously, I decided to go there for that as well. I wanted to be part of something bigger, right? Um, so coming back from Iraq, what I decided to do is apply to some service, uh, police services. I applied around uh, our house, I applied to the federal, and I was made aware that eventually uh, they were looking for people in Calgary, which was actually 4,000 kilometers away from my house. Um, and back to Alberta, what I had been when I was 18 years old. Sorry, just needed some water. So yeah, so um, sign up for it. And within two months, I, may, I was made aware of uh, that I had the job. I was going to spend a week in Alberta and do all the testing, one shot, and then, you know, a pass, pass or fail. So I had passed the testing, actually except the English testing, which was kind of funny. Um, well, I was told after the fact that I was supposed to do um, an ESL exam, language exam, and they had given me the English exam. Anyhow, anyhow, I flew back for one day and got the job and I mean, and passed and so on. So great, fantastic. Um, I'm excited. I give my six months to the military to release, um, which was approved. And um, September 2016, the fifth uh, was my last day. And the sixth, I was now becoming a cop. Um, it was the, kind of the first experience I had of the civilian life. And now for the one who are police and will be offended that I call them civilian to me, I mean, you're, you're either in the military, which is a different world or you're, you're civilian. Right. Um, and it's one or the other, uh, are you exposed to different things in civilian? Yes. hundred percent. But I'm, I'm still seeing you as a civilian because every night you go back home and you have the choice on your life. You can call sick and just be sick. Right, which the military asks you for uh, doctor notes and so on. Right, so the, the small example, but there's a freedom that you don't have in the military. Right, so that that's just why. So yeah, so join the police again. The goal was I wanted to help. I wanted to just have hands on on things and um, help victims. Uh, as the time went, I would say three years within. Uh, serving, there's traumas that happen, there's there's exposure that happen, and, and I, I I would call myself a black sheep. Um, and why a black sheep? Uh, I attracted, I believe, either mental health case or, or suicide. So I've, I've had a lot of my fair share of dead people seen. Um, I thought I was tough enough, I had no issues. Um, soon enough, by the, November 2019, um, I realized that it was it was not that strong, um, and it's okay, right? We all have our limitation at one point. Um, by the end of um, I think it's the 29th of November 2019, I was then 
uh, I couldn't work. Uh, it was my first day that I couldn't finish my day at work. And, um, uh, and I ended up in a, a doctor office. So after three days after, uh, sat in the office, couldn't speak my wife, my, my newborn and my wife had to explain what's going on. I couldn't sleep, had nightmares and, uh, and you know, I was gaining weight, like, uh, from when I left the military, I gained, I think 40 pounds, I was angry all the time. I was not in a good place. When I sat with a doctor, which was a very good doctor, um, who was actually a, a veteran himself from uh, UK, and, and he looked at me and he said, uh, son, well, you have depression and you have PTSD. He's like, everything you told me in the last five seconds all fit well for that. So... I was kind of a first wall, right? Like I was kind of like, oh my God, what's going on with my life? I cannot be one of those. I'm not, I never been under fire, right? I never, and it's a misconception. Not only that, right? Like I've seen, I've heard the stigma around it. I heard that the guys who just enter guys or girls, doesn't matter. But I've heard about those people who enjoy the, the, the extra money, right? And they're actually faking. Or so we say, so we heard, like they're faking, they're not they're not truly sick. So there's a lot of back and forth in my head and couldn't believe and or disbelieve if you wish, but there was something that I was not for or I was not accepting that I was getting sick. Um, but all that to say, I, I still uh, for my, my, my chain of command and which started my long journey of recovery. Um, it opened my eyes on so many levels. I had been for the past, I guess at that time, 15 years dedicating my life into serving, which is pretty fantastic when you look at it. Um, but what I realized as well is I was selfless within it. I had been in a, if you wish, toxic relationship for 16, 15 years. Um, and, and in that so... What I had been doing in that 15 years is give everything out and not, not giving in back, which created depression, which created um, uh, compassion fatigue, which created uh, PTSD as well. Um, PTSD is, uh, was born as well out of the things that I'd seen and I had just shoved under the rug. But, you know, there's accumulation and, and I love to call it uh, death by paper cuts, right? Because a paper cut, when you cut it, it stings. But think about it. If you have 150 paper cut, the cut becomes bigger and bigger and never heals. So it is very interesting. And it was kind of very well explained to me about that paper cut that PTSD is it. It was an accumulation of trauma that I did not digest it. Uh, so the first quest was finding a doctor, uh, finding a psychiatrist, finding a psychologist and so on. And, um, and I knew by having the two parents, uh, who had done that job that I had to click with my, uh, therapist, because if I didn't click with a therapist, what, what would it be worth for? Right. Why would I do such thing? Why would I put my time towards anything? So I went through, I think five or six psychologists, uh, good and bad, but just sometimes just not the right fit. Um, I was finally accepted to the OSI clinic, which stands for uh, Operational Stress Injury, um, another term for PTSD in Canada. 
And um, when I joined that uh, that that organization, uh, it was better. Uh, they had everything. It was a one-stop shop. I mean, a psychiatrist there. I had the occupational therapist and my therapist itself, himself. Um, and and he was good. Um, he was very good. The OT occupational therapist that I had was fantastic as well. Very patient with me and and calling me out on my BS, which I believe I needed. Uh, things goes on. Things are not uh, always easy because you dig down in therapy of things you you kind of shoved away for so long that uh, it, it's it's like bringing back a dead body right in a zombie mode. <laughs> um, it was very interesting. Um, as it went, um, the first first year, I decided as a self therapy. Uh, to write, write about what the hell I was going through because before being, after being diagnosed, I looked for books that would explain to me what the hell am I going through right now. And I bought a bunch of books from, you know, um, specialists and so on, trying to figure it out. Now, But I wanted a book from someone who's in the shits, right? What does it look like? How bad am I going to get? How angry I can be? What is the damage I can create one around me and so on. So no books to inform me this. Uh, and, and, and I was not looking for those books to explain, you know, war stories and so on. I didn't care for those. I, I didn't want to hear those. I've never been a fan of those kind of movies and so on. So why looking at those in real life? So, um, so I decided to write it myself after uh, one of my friends pushing me for it after she, uh, she had read one of my poems. Uh, that explained how I was going through, you know, just going out just for uh, an activity with my wife. <clears throat> so started to write, we got in touch with an editor, fantastic editor. Um, and it was the work of a year. I don't know if you're aware of it, but writing a book is not so bad. It's the rewrite that is a shit show. Uh, it's a lot of reading and overreading and rereading and rewriting everything just so it sounds a bit better. Uh, so that was the, a bit more challenging at that time uh, because I was visiting what I was currently living, right? So it was kind of double whammy uh, daily. And, and I only wrote when um, the feeling was catching me, right? So if, if I didn't feel anything, because there's moments I find in, in, in the, the healing and recovery that you have no feeling whatsoever. You're just numbed, Right. Your body wants to recover, so it just stops. Stops and shuts down the machine. Uh, or if you rather being called cruise control, right? When you're on a cruise control, you just do what you got to do in it. It end up there, which is okay, but in the same way, not so healthy. So I wrote a book um, during that, uh, that, that, that uh, I guess, creation, <laughs> um, during that creation, what I did is actually I uh, started to, uh, I, I did a trial. I asked a friend to make me 48 patch of letter uh, with the flag of Canada and written underneath, wired differently. And um, put them on hats. Now, within when I got those hats, within 48 hours, the 48 hats were gone. And, and what it came up to my mind is I can raise money for people and do that, you know? So sell some merch, hire veterans who suffers, right? Uh, or family members or first responders 
and uh, and resell and give the money to organization who actually help the uniform who struggles. So that was a fantastic thing. Now you might wonder why wired differently. So back in 2014 or 15, I'm working out in a civilian gym and always teaming up with an engineer. Great guy. He pushed my bum like there's no tomorrow. And I do the same for him. Uh, at the end, he asked me about my job and I explained things and how things goes and so on. And he's like, you guys, he's like, I couldn't do the job you do. And I'm like, why? He's like, well, you run towards things that we as a population runs away from. Do you realize that? And yes, my answer was yes, but in the same way, this is my job. This is just how it is. And I do what I got to do. And it, it, that's it. Uh, I was not asking questions. I guess I hadn't been militarized really well that I just shut my mouth and accept what's going on. He's like, you guys are just so wired differently than us and it always stuck with me like that was beautiful yeah like we are like first responder and so on yes they are as well wired differently we are exposed to stuff that 90 percent of the population will never want to see right um or don't want to hear about it or don't want to be aware of it so very, very interesting. And it kind of stuck with me. So that was the flag and underneath saying wire differently. Um, so I started with hats and then I asked for a logo to be made, um, which we came out with uh, the dagger and the wings. And, and the, 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 um, the meaning behind those is very simple. So, you know, in the past, we look at um, extraordinary, uh, extraordinary soldier, right? We think about Spartans. Um, we'll see, you'll see the, the shield or the helmet and, and you know, it's Spartans, right? Uh, if you look at, uh, Vikings, right? Like their swords are uh, really specific of what they are, but you think about boats, you think about, you know, Valhalla, uh, or the runes and so on. So all of this, we link that to very, very, uh, good soldier warriors, right? Uh, Apaches, right? A different one. Um, the... Um, the the um, the knights of the round table, right? Um, all of those are like symbolic uh, fighters. So when we think about those, what do we have now that could be somewhat equivalent? And the V forty two was used in the first uh, squadron of special force, which was a unit uh, made of Canadian and Americans, right? So V42 was a, a nice dagger. You can still purchase them. And uh, also was uh, a symbol in Canadian Special Force that we have nowadays. And after working with those warriors, I can tell you, um, those are wonderful people who would give their lives for our country. And they will go above and beyond despite whatever they can think of to protect us. So... I had this in the wings. I was looking at two things because wings as fetter by all means, but I thought of a phoenix. Phoenix would burn out and resurrect, right? So this is what recovery was for me. I realized that I had to slow down and not give everything to my work, but starting to give a bit more to my family. Um, because I can tell you that the first two years of my oldest i have no memories i had been so involved with work uh the traumas were you know 
climbing in my head without knowing and it picked one thing and one thing that I had to remove is my memories with him um, so things had to be changed but things had to be understood accepted and respected what had to be respected is boundaries what had to be understood and accepted was actually the sickness the diagnosis because as long as you fight against that diagnosis you don't heal you don't recover when you start actually accepting this is when the journey starts. This is when you start going forward. You're, you're, you're healing. So that took me a while. <laughs> At least a good year after starting uh, therapy and so on. Because I, I thought I was, you know, fight or flight. But there's time where you don't have to take the fight. You need to just accept what's going on, what is thrown at you. The challenge that you have to go up against, that's the one you need to accept at times. So, carry on. Things goes well, things goes bad, things are learning, things are, things are okay. Um, I am now in my third year of long-term disability, uh, where it has been a nice challenge between, you know, uh, the two services that I served. One that tried to, you know, say that I don't... Um, oh, you say that. I didn't have any trauma related to their job and the other one taking responsibility for whatever the hell maybe I've been through. So, um, this is where one day last October, because we are currently May 24th, 22. So last October, my wife came back home and said, um, hi, uh, we are wondering, no, we're wondering, I'm wondering if you have ever thought about being a life coach. And I had never thought of it. By all means, it was kind of a surprise. And it was kind of a, what does that eat in the winter, right? Like, I, I thought it was more a, a fraud job than anything. I had my prejudice against this big time. Um, so carry on. We, we, I started to listen to a podcast that she had cho sent to me. And it was about helping people. So now, this is when I started to realize, why did I do the job I did in the past? So... <clears throat> The little boy in me did those jobs to learn how to defend himself, right? Because he had been bullied. The adult in me loved to help. That was my drive. I loved to help others. And I, I would not stop, just carry on with it. So that was the first reason. Um, I realized in the military it was not necessarily helping, but more, you know, defense, offense, or so on. Um, and the second part with the police was, I thought I was helping people, but truthfully, I find that our system is more geared toward helping to bring back criminals to society versus what it is, um, versus helping victims. Sadly, right? That's just what I've seen. And, and I had been shocked with, with, um, um, the culture of what they had. So they, my wife was presenting me a future employment that could be. That was literally helping people. That, that's, that's what the coaching was. So without a doubt, without questioning myself and actually what I was asking her, I signed up for the course. Later on, realized that it was $28,000, uh, which was a shock to me because, I mean, people would tell me that it's normal in university, but I had not done university. I had been military. I had been a soldier for 12 years and a constable for three. Uh, so it was a shock. Um, and so on. So there it is, do a six months course in a world where it's kind of the opposite, right? Because the school that I signed up to was a very more woman-driven and I was the only man in the class, right? So it exposed to me to 
10 wonderful women where I learned a lot from them. And, uh, but, but I grew and I grew, uh, with them as well. So I'm extremely thankful. I got, I got certified for it. And this is when I started to realize that I was getting better, but I didn't want to fight anymore with the police to prove that I'm sick. Um, so slowly I, I started to build up the business. Uh, I had had the, the apparel selling and the book selling. I had done the interview on podcasts and enjoyed them. I had helped others. But now, and, and this is why I'm now doing a podcast. So what the podcast will bring in overseas is how to help ourselves, How to make it a bit better. How to actually do your calendar if you have to do a calendar because you have ADHD. Oh yeah, I have ADHD too. Guess what? I need to put everything everywhere with post-it and so on so I don't forget. Uh, I need to keep myself on track because motivation is not an, uh, an option and it's it's superficial. Okay. Um, but I will talk to you about all of that soon enough. You'll see. But be happy. Be be. Look, look forward to it. It will, it will make sense. Now, I'm pretty sure my little boy, who just woke up because it's 5.30, um, is here beside me. We probably want to say something. Lachlan, you want to say something? Yeah. Say good morning. Good morning. There we go. So that was my oldest who just woke up uh, this morning. Um, so I will follow up with a second show soon enough. Uh, I w I'm trying to go every two weeks uh, and actually teach what I learned throughout healing and throughout courses and the life brought up to me. But we'll do that together and I hope you will enjoy it as much as I do. Dad, I want to sit on the other Shh, Lachlan. Thanks for listening to Black Sheep from Wired Differently. If you found value in today's episode, please share with others and subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with John, check out johnarshambo.com. We'll see you next time.